So uh, today we're in week four of some assembly required about relationships. Now week one, Bobby walked us through what, it, what was required for us to have deep and meaningful relationships. And then week two, we got snowed out. So I preached online about marriage last week about conflict. Today, one subject that I have never preached on. I've taught classes on it. I've done conferences, but I've never preached on parenting before. And the reason I've never preached on parenting is how woefully short I seem to fall often and even more often as I grow older in parenting. But what I have discovered is that the key to parenting is typically not what we think. I want to invite my friend Ryan Butts to come on out right now. Ryan uh, came to see me uh, a few months ago and he said, Pastor, I, uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to start some type of not-for-profit ministry to try to help folks and to make a difference. And so I was like, well, Ryan, what's the deal? What are you thinking about? And he, he totally caught me off guard when he says, I want to make beds for kids that don't have beds. And I thought that was pretty, I mean, that's interesting. And so then uh, he did the one thing that people rarely do when they leave my office. He literally took notes from when we chatted and he went and did everything on the list. And a few weeks later, I saw on Facebook where you had incorporated your, your, your nonprofit corporation. You've been able to put everything in place. You've got things going. You've picked up some materials. We gave you a check last hour to help hopefully jumpstart your work. And so you're saying, what does this have to do with parenting? Hang on. So while I'm chatting here for a few minutes, Ryan, uh, how long did it take you last hour to build this bed? Maybe 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So in a minute, Ryan's going to go to work on, on this bed. Now, at one point in time, these were just sticks and pieces of metal, but you figured out a system, a plan, drew a plan, and not only do you have a ministry, now you have a way to do that, and then people can support your ministry and provide these beds. So when this one's done, somebody can buy this one, and, and we can make sure it gets to a kid that needs a bed, right? Somebody can have it, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So we're going to go to work. You just go ahead and go to work and just know that uh, he's got kind of a picture that started off with very little, almost nothing, created a business and a ministry out of it, now took sticks and pieces of metal, and he's got a plan for how to put this thing together, and it sounds just like parenting. But have you ever been like me, and when, when you didn't have kids, but you were about the age where you're going to have children, you're in a restaurant and some kid's going crazy, and you made this statement, when I have kids, they'll never do that. <laughs> we all ate those words, didn't we? Did you ever have a time where your children got to that four to six-year-old spance where they still thought you were perfect, and when you corrected them, they got in line, and when you saw those kids in middle school going crazy, you said, I'm so glad my kid will never do that, and then you ate those ones. And then you said, but when my kid goes to school, they're not going to go buck wild. My kid's going to be an angel and go participate in all the different ministries available on campus. And you got a call where they got a DUI. You ate them once again. Anybody with me? Parenting is not for the faint of heart. As a matter of fact, like Ryan in this bed he's putting together, sometimes all those parts fit together, and other times you got to take a hammer and you got to bang them together. But the fact is, it helps to have a plan, it helps to have a process, and it helps to have something that you can work with and know what that looks like. So today, we want to try to take a look at what might happen if we could take God's plan for how we're going to parent. Now, uh, it reminds me a little bit of a, a young preacher who got straight out of seminary and he had a small church in South Alabama and he, he started and he wanted to do a series, so he did a series called The Ten Commandments for Child Rearing. 
And man, he went at it. I mean, just like argh, you know, barking at it. And then about, about four years later, he had pre, two preschoolers and he decided he would do another series on parenting. So this time he did the five suggestions for child rearing. Then those kids got to middle school and the Lord said, why don't you do another series on parenting? And this time the series was good luck on parenthood. <laughs> that seems to be the way it works, right? Well, uh, I feel like I have been, how you doing, Ryan? Man, you're doing faster than last time. It's coming together. I didn't hear you have to bang on anything. You okay? Yes. When it's said and done, can I lay on it? Can I jump on it? Game on. I don't want to become a YouTube moment, you promise? All right, we'll have cameras ready. All right. So I, I look at this and I think the reason why I've never preached on it is because I feel like I have failed so much at it. But the fact is nothing can incite anger faster in a parent than a friend who offers parenting advice, but they've never walked a day in their shoes. And you know, what happens is often our parenting is we compare our kid to some other kid. The fastest way to tell your kid they don't matter is to compare them to some other kid. But then the second thing we do is we compare them with their siblings, and, and no, nothing's more painful. Because don't you know in every, in every group of siblings, you've got one kid that just feels like an angel? You're not another kid that's like, if you'd have had them first, you'd have stopped? You know? And with that in mind, I'm, so I'm going to ask a little bit of grace, because I know for a fact that trying to raise children is a challenge. I mean, it's just an overwhelming challenge. And let me just stop and say, preachers are fond of saying things like, it's really a challenge in today's world. Well, it was true after the fall with Adam and Eve. I mean, how do you like to try to raise Cain? And we know what happened there. So you look back and you say, it's been a difficult thing to do to, to, to raise children from day one. What ladies know this better than anybody, otherwise they wouldn't call it labor. Because we are in the process of trying to raise children. And I've been a parent now for 32 years. And I consider it one of the most important and fulfilling things that God's allowed me to do, but also some of the most frustrating things. Ryan, how you doing? Coming together? Your process has been better than mine because mine did not come together that smoothly. And about the time I thought it did, then something else fell apart and I couldn't seem to keep it all together. Now, I could have picked a verse that sounds like Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not turn from it. Or maybe Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Obviously, those would have been great, but the Lord brought me to Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul writes these almost as this is how to lead your life, and this is how to lead as a parent. And listen to what the text has to say in verse 11. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Now, as you look at that text, let's try to draw two things out of it that might help us. And that is, first of all, let's talk about what is the target? What's the target for parenting? If we could see a target, we might get hit it. And then what are the tactics so we can figure out how to keep hitting the target? Ryan, how you doing? Man, you've got this thing almost ready to roll. Yeah, keep, what are those things right there? These are little top caps. Uh, I made them so they can stack for bunk beds. Oh, nice. So you put a pin in, you can stack them if you need to, you can put a little something on there. Wow, you're killing it. All right, keep going, buddy. So what would be the target of Christian parenting? What would be the target of faithful 
parenting? Well, listen to verse 12 of the text. You are to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. What is it we desire for our kids? They would live a life worthy in God's eyes. You see, we can't lose sight of the fact that our kids are a gift from the Lord. Even when they're on the floor pitching the biggest fit known to man, or they're on the way into church and you were looking at them saying, hush, just hush. I know y'all have never had to do that. I have seen y'all do that in front of the elevator when you come in that area down there. You know we have cameras, right? If you ever want us to show some bloopers, we've got some winners. This poor kid being held by his mother by the wrist, his feet can't even hit the ground as they're walking in and her face goes like this and automatically when they get to the desk to sign, he goes, hey. And that poor kid is like, so watch out, we've got it for you. But let's not lose sight of this. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four says this, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Our primary purpose in parenting has to do with our kids' relationship with God. But now watch this. Your child's relationship with God will have everything to do with your relationship with your heavenly Father. How you see Him will shape the spiritual life of your children. How you see God and the plan He has for you has everything to do with how your children will see Him. We will know that we are raising prayerful children when our children see us value prayer. We will raise children that learn to trust God when they see their parents in difficult times learn to trust God. We will raise children who will openly speak on the things of God when mom and dad openly speak on the things of God. Now, if you're here right now and you're saying, well, Chuck, that works out great, except for the fact that I'm a blended family and you don't understand the tension that comes with a blended family. Well, back in 2007, Jenny and I blended six teenage daughters. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I know drama. I know the pain that is inflicted on a parent in a blended family, and that is not said in jest, it is painful. And what I know is that in a blended family or not, the goal is that our kids would live lives worthy of God. So what would be the tactics we'd use? Ryan had some tactics get this ministry underway. He created this wood so that he could build a bed and he went and purchased everything necessary. It cost what, three, four, five hundred bucks to do a bed? Three hundred, something like that, have a bed that'll last forever? And you know, the, the thought on this is, don't we want our kids to be buttoned up and done? But the fact is, that's a bed, they're not our kids. We want to be able to lie down and rest with that, but we've got to know that there is a, there is a plan in place. God has a plan. Thank you, Ryan. We're going to keep talking about your bed here in a minute. The tactics that came together with putting that together are not much different than what it is in the tactics to force to raise our children. Paul suggests that good parents include three things that Ryan had to have to launch his ministry. Three things, are you ready? Encouraging, comforting, and urging. Did you hear it in the text? Encouraging, comforting, and urging. First, parenting should include encouraging our kids. Encouragement is a powerful tool. You can give somebody five great words of encouragement 
throw one negative word out of it, and for the next 48 hours, the only thing they remember is the negative word. I promise you that's true every time. But when we have our children, isn't that the group we want more than anything to be encouraged in their walk? Isn't that the group that we want to our, our kids to be encouraged to walk with God? The Holy Spirit does that for us. He's called the paraclete. And that's what we need to do for each other, to bring a word of encouragement, especially our children. We need to stand behind, beside them and cheer them on. Hey, mom and dad, let me ask all of us a question. How good are you at encouraging? Now, you could say, well, you know what? I'm not really good at that, Pastor Chuck. My dad wasn't a good encourager, and my, my home life wasn't good, so I just never learned how to be an encourager. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. I want you to take everything that you learned what not to do in encouragement, and I want you to bundle it up, and I want you to lay it over at the feet of Jesus, and I want you to leave that with them and say, Jesus, would you step into my life, and would you let me become an encouraging parent? Would you step into my life and help me encourage my children in your walk and in your way with your wisdom? And you say, well, Chuck, I'd like to do that, but I don't know that I could take all of that because it's so ingrained. Listen to me, folks. The reason Jesus has come and given us the gift of the Spirit of God is that He might overwhelm all of that that you learned what not to do and inspire and drag you and love you into what you can do. And now is the time to trust Him to let Him do that. Because it's not just true for your children from you. You need that ongoing encouragement, which is what the Spirit of God will do in your life. Come on, you can do this. Come on, walk with Christ. Come on, make that right choice. Come on, be an encouragement to that kid. You know it takes about 10 words of encouragement to undo that one negative comment. But listen, we can encourage with several things. We can encourage with our presence. Just being with our kids can make a big difference. You say, well, Chuck, I... I you don't know how busy I am. I may not, but I know this. I know your kids don't care. Because no kid that I've ever done a funeral for a parent has ever said this, I'm so glad my daddy worked all those extra hours. I've never heard a child say, I'm so glad my mom volunteered to do all that other work. I've never heard somebody say, I'm so glad that they didn't give me any time. They gave all my time away. What I've heard are kids saying one of two things. I'm grateful I grew up in a home where my mom and dad got on the floor and played with me and gave me time. I'm so glad I grew up in a home where my mom and dad showed up at my ball games even when I was terrible. I'm so glad, but I also hear the other side. Boy, I wish my mom or daddy would have been there. I wish my dad would have sacrificed and been there. No kid has ever said to me at a funeral, you know what, my dad made the right call when he made that last flight to make that last sale and he missed that game of me playing and I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Listen to me, daddies, mamas, be present. Put the phone down, put the tablet down, close the laptop, put down the remote, be with your kids and be fully with your kids. You say, but Chuck, I travel all the time. Then get on a Zoom call, get on FaceTime, but have time. Don't stop until you have time. I regret a lot of things as a parent, but the one thing I don't regret is playing a lot with my kids. Of all the things that I messed up, the one thing I'm so grateful for are all those ball games that I went to. We can encourage with our presence. We can encourage with our touch. I think the greatest thing I ever felt was when I totally messed up, my dad reaching over and pulling me up to him with those big old hands and grabbing me and pulling me up. He didn't have to say a word. It's like my daddy knew. When he reached over and grabbed me, I thought, my dad's got me. I'm, it's going to be all right. We can encourage with God's word. 
I want, I want children, I want your children, I want our children to recognize on the tip of their tongue that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But I want us to be able to talk openly about the things of God. I know this to be true. Daddy, if you'll talk openly about the things of God, and you don't have to know any theology, you don't have to know any Greek, you don't have to know any Hebrew to openly talk about the things of God and say things like, what a beautiful sunset, only God could do that. Mama, all you've got to do is sit down and play a game with the kids and say, you know, this is what it looks like when God pulls our life all together. All you've got to do is to openly talk about the things of God. God doesn't expect you to have a 40-minute dialogue with your children talking about the book of the Revelation in the middle of the week. All right? I see those try to happen, and maybe you have that kid can do it. Okay? But I've never succeeded at it. But what I have been able to do successfully is point out where God is at work in a little bit of everything in their life, and I still do in their 30-year-old time. We can do that by encouraging them with God's, God's Word, and we can encourage them with our words. We can encourage them with how we encourage them that they could do anything in Christ. Speak to your children. Talk with them. Openly talk with them. And if they're in that stage where they want to say, uh, you know, what'd you do today? Nothing. Well, keep asking. Well, like, what kind of nothing did you do? You know, nothing, nothing. Well, did you do any special with that nothing, nothing? Did you do anybody? Did you want to be here with anybody while you did nothing, nothing? Keep talking. And you say, well, my kid, they just won't talk. Well, just don't stop. Stay at it. I mean, stay at it. These kids are in desperate need for parents to talk with them face to face. Powerful parenting includes encouragement, and powerful parenting includes comforting our kids. Listen to what Paul's second letter to the Corinthians says in chapter 1. He wrote, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God is an awesome comforter. Isn't he? So let's try that again. God is an awesome comforter. One more time. God is an awesome comforter. Why not do that the first time? The the story is told of a mom and dad who reassured their four-year-old little girl at bedtime that God was watching over her. And one night after they'd gone to bed, the the mom felt a little tap on her shoulder, and the little girl said, Mommy, um, I know God's in there with me, but I need somebody with skin. (laughs) Sometimes the person with skin that your children need is you. I believe our kids need to be able to think like Dorothy and the Withers of Oz and say there's no place like home. But that only happens when we make Jesus the Lord of our home. The single greatest thing that you can do for your child is to get your life in order with God's will for your life. Single greatest thing to help raise your children is to get your life in line to become all that God has designed for you. The single greatest thing you can do as a daddy is get your life in order with Christ as He wants you to have the best and the riches of His glory. Mom, the best way to be a super mom is to get your life in order with Christ by urging our children on for the things of God. I want to urge you on, parents, 
A key to understanding this is the meaning of the Greek word in the text that translates from urge. It's a form of the verb marturio, which means to bear witness. You say, Chuck, you just lost me. Well, hang on. How do we bear witness to our children to live a life worthy of God? You ready? First, we can set them an example. This is what it looks like to walk with God. This is what it looks like to trust in God. This is what it looks like to live in God's Word. This is what it's like to to make a mistake and ask God to forgive you. This is what it's like to trust God when things seem like there's nowhere to go. We can set an example. Secondly, in addition to setting an example, we can urge our children by appropriately disciplining them. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with setting boundaries. Every child needs them. You know how I know that? Because every parent needs them. There has never been a person that walked the face of this planet that didn't need the guardrails of God's law and God's grace. Because in in the lane where grace runs fast, it's easy to know you can always come home to a father who will welcome you. But this lane of law over here, when we get out of step with God's grace, we bump up against it and it brings us back over to grace. It gives us a picture that there are certain ways in which God wants you to parent and God wants you to live, that when we run smack into it, it never gives way, it stops right there. And it pushes us back over to grace. Because you see, grace isn't just forgiveness and a get out of jail free card. Grace demands more from us, not less. And parent, if we're going to extend the kind of grace that God has, we've got to have the ability to live in His grace now. Yes, we need law, but more than anything you can do is extend to your child the picture of God's grace that He extends to you, that they might know it, they might, they might understand it. Dr. James Dobson summarizes discipline like this. He says at a football game, when a guy jumps off sides, what does the referee do? Does he get all red-faced, begin screaming about the virtues of keeping the rules of football? Or does he simply drop a hanky and step off the penalty and move forward? That's a pretty good picture of what we do. It doesn't have to be punitive. It can be developmental. We can move forward. We can show our children that we need discipline at times, too. I, w- I want to encourage you that as we try to disciple and discipline and grow our children, I recognize that this is not easy. And as I finish today, I want to affirm that parenting is a high and a holy calling, but it's also a challenging one. I want to let that sit for just a minute. In your heart, do you believe that parenting is a high and a holy honor? Yeah. The man, we've got to understand who called us to that high and holy honor. It is a God that is high and lifted up, who calls you before you could ever be that parent. He needs you to be that person. God has a plan for how we're going to lead our children in faithful parenting. And what it includes is faithful parents. Moms and dads, that would say without hesitation, for me to be the parent God has led me to be and wants me to be, I want to get my life in line with what God's will is. I want to trust God, not just with my parenting, but the every, every aspect of my life. 
I believe God is calling people. This last service, we had about 15 people who say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ, Chuck. I, I, don't, I don't want to do that just in parenting. We, we had about six or eight kids that said, that's, I want Christ. And I walked out of here and I thought to myself, how incredibly special is it to look at parenting to understand how much God loves us? That as our heavenly Father, God looked at our life and said, you are in the biggest mess. Look at you. You are just saturated in selfishness and sin. You're just, you're just coated in junk. Come on, let's clean you up. It's like the Lord grabs us by the hand and walks us over and he gets us all washed up and cleaned up and some of the shampoo drips in our eye and we tear up a little bit and he says, don't worry, we're ruining it out. And then he gets us on a new pair of britches and a new shirt and he puts us on a brand new pair of Nikes and, and we're feeling pretty good. And we say, but Lord, I, I didn't deserve you to come fix me and clean me up. And he looks down at us and he kind of smushes her chin. And he says, I know. I did that because I love you. That's all. I just love you. And you say, but I, but I don't deserve that, Lord. And he says, I know. But I love you. Come on home. Let's get cleaned up. We have, none of us, have the hope to be a parent or a grandparent that has this kind of impact on our children's lives until our lives are walking with Christ. There's no hope. I'm so glad there's hope found in him. Amen. Maybe today you'd say, Chuck, that's me. I'm in. Not just for the sake of parenting, but for the cause of Christ. I want him to walk in my life and be alive. So real quickly, let me tell you how that works. I, I got no magic. I got no magic aisle. I don't have any magic altar. I got no... I got no funky water to throw on you. I got no incense. I got nothing weird, all right? I got this one promise that God says when you call on the name of the Lord, he'll hear you and answer you. That's all I got. Peter and John, one time in Acts chapter 3, were walking into Jerusalem, and they're going by the gate beautiful. They saw a guy that was crippled. He never walked in his life. And the guy was begging for money, and he saw Peter and John on the way there, and he begged out for money. And Peter looked at him, and he said, Hey, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he reached down with his right hand, and he picked that man up. And he was healed, but watch this. Every physical healing in Scripture is simultaneously a picture of spiritual healing. And this man didn't just receive strength in his legs, he received heaven and a hope for now. And he received the richest and the best of God's blessing in his life. Isn't that what you need and want today? To get that right in your life right now? Let's pray. God, today we thank you and praise you. God, for all these kids that got saved this week, yes. For parents in the last hour that got saved, yes. For folks in this room right now that are trying to choose whether they want to follow you, yes. But we praise you because you're worthy of more of the praise than we can muster. You're so good to us. And God, even though there's some of us right now and we're just in the middle of a life's fight and life's battle, God, we know you're there. Would you walk us 
through the middle of it and set us down victoriously. Folks, I believe there are people sitting in this room right now watching online that would say, Chuck, I want to call on the name of the Lord. Whatever that involves, I want to do that because I, I want to settle that in my life. And if that's the desire of your heart, it's as simple as saying, God, I'm calling on your name. I'm calling on the Lord right now. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. I thank you for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. I thank you that you promised you'd hear me and you'd give me a new life. If that's the desire of your heart, you say, I want to settle that today once and for all. I want to settle that. Just slip your hand up so I can see you today. Go ahead. All it takes is one. Amen. Amen. Keep them up. Amen. Man, four more people today said, that's, that's me. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. Lord, we're grateful that we can call on your name and that you'll hear us. Now speak into our life to let us know what next, what comes next as we follow you in believers' baptism and get involved in your church and live to parent like you and to live for you and to trust you in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand with me? How's the end of that song go? Maybe you're not a parent at all. And it's like, how did I pick this Sunday? Man, you picked this Sunday because you picked the day in which you could settle in your heart that Jesus will and can and does go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. He can go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. And I know that because he is always good and you are always loved, always. Man, when life is just beating a crud out of you, and I know he is in some of your lives right now. Man, just hop on that big old strong back of Jesus the Lord. Wrap your arms around those big old shoulders and let him carry you, not around the junk going on in your life, but let him walk you right through the middle of it only to set you down victoriously and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear your Savior say, my child, say with me, I love you. Hey, listen to me, church. If you're an African-American family and you've been so courageous to come be a part of this family, I want to tell you how grateful I am and how much I love you. I have the deepest desire for our church to look like our community. I am so tired of the 9.30 and 11 o'clock hours of the local church being the most segregated hours of the week. We better learn how to love and worship together because in heaven, we're going to do a lot of it. This is the last Sunday and thank you. This is the last Sunday in a month where we're to celebrate the heritage of African-American people. 
And you know what? I went through the whole month busy with a series, and I forgot through the whole month to stop and say, we love you, and we are so grateful for you. You make this church better. I plead with you, hang in there with us as we continue to grow because you are an integral part of this family and this heart. And we are so grateful that the Lord brought you to Sugar Hill Church. God bless you. Go in peace.